Welcome to the Wisdom for Life podcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode for you. This one is entitled, Change Your Light Bulb. I want to talk about changing this morning and how it applies to your light shining. You ever just go through a moment in your life where you start to switch off? It happens. You have a spiritual switch inside of your heart that is your calling. It is up to you whether or not that switch is on. You can have all the power connected to you in Pentecost. But if your switch is off, your light won't shine. It's not Pentecost that is failing the church. It is not the Spirit and the power of God that is failing the church. It is Christians that remain switched off. They are not switched on. They're not letting their light shine. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says in the same way, Jesus speaking here, it says let. Say let. This is up to you. That's what the word let means, okay? It says let your light shine before men, that they may see your good needs and praise, good deeds rather, and praise your Father in heaven. We are called to light up the world, but many times we're not showing that light because of something that happened in our past. It could have been something we regret. It could be something that we feel guilty of. And God wants you to know this morning, there are no perfect people. If you're looking for a weirdo-free church, you're not at the right church. Everybody's a weirdo. Just get to know them. Once you catch up with a little bit of their past, you discover they're just as weird as you are. Everybody has flaws. Everybody's blown it. Everyone. That doesn't mean switch off. That doesn't mean because you you haven't lived perfectly that you can't shine for Christ. Keep the light on. You know, you heard Tom Bodette said, we'll leave the light on for you. I believe that's true. God wants you to keep that light on. We're going to talk this morning about a man that switched off because of one failure, because of one issue, because of a one time of blowing it. He lived with regret. He lived with guilt for 40 years. Before we get to our text, let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single calling in this room. The gold mine in this room, Lord, are the callings in the hearts of our people. Every believer in this room is called, but not every believer has their switch on. Some of the light bulbs are out in this room, Lord. God, light up the darkness. Light up the darkness. Light up the darkness. Light up the darkness in the city. Use us, God. May we be switched on to Your power. May we shine brightly. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Let's look at our text. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. It says, When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian, verse 25. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me? as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. 
And after 40 years, say 40, took 40 more years for him to come back around. It was 40 years of running. It was 40 years with the light switched off in his heart. It was 40 years of goodbye to what God wants to do. It was 40 years of not answering his calling. 40 more years, he's now 80 years old. It says, after 40 years, he had passed. An angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. It took a burning bush to turn him back around. It took a light, a fire, to catch his, to reignite and catch his fire in his heart again. God wants you to have that today. God has some advice for us today. And we're going to see it through the life of Moses and his word. If Moses were here today, he'd say, switch on. He'd say, switch on, church. You can do the things God has called you to do. If he were here today, he'd say, you're a champion in Christ. Regardless of what has happened in your past, you're a champion. Switch on to the power of God. And I just got a couple of things that I believe God's put on my heart that Moses, if he were here, he might say. Here's the first one. You're switched on when you come across a burning bush. When you come across a burning, a burning bush, stop and smell it. See that it's, see that it's burning. See that it's a fire. When God brings a burning bush into your life, here's the deal. It's not always pleasant. Now I want you to think about the arid climate that they're in. Think about this for a minute. Moses is tending sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. They're in a very, very arid climate. And in that climate, there's a fire. How many of you know that's dangerous? You know, we read right past that and we think, well, that's no big deal. There was a fire there and there was a burning bush. Brush fires in an arid climate are dangerous. The fire of God, when it comes, is dangerous. And it comes to switch you on. You might be here this morning and be switched off. Let me give you some clues. It's kind of here's your sign if you're switched off. Here we go. You're switched off when you're running and hiding from commitment. Is that you? You cease to operate in your gifting or your calling. You're switched off when you begin to major in your minors. You're switched off when you've stayed too long in a place where you're not appreciated for your strengths. You're switched off when it's been five years now. You're five years older, but it's been the same year five times over around the sun. Nothing has changed. You're switched off when you replay past failures, living in constant guilt and regret. Or you viciously defend excuses instead of purpose. You're switched off when you have no intentional plan or vision for any movement at all in your life. If I asked you right now, in two sentences or less, where are you going in Christ? Could you answer? In two sentences or less, if I asked you right now, where are you going in Christ? Would you have an answer? Or would you go into paragraphs? Would you talk in circles? Would you mealy-mouth me? Do you know what God has called you to do? This is so important, church. This is so important. Do you realize that you have a calling? That it's important. If you don't, a brush fire is coming your way. God may burn something in your life. Many of you have everything to burn bright, but you're switched off. Maybe it was a past failure. Maybe it's some type of guilt or regret that causes you to switch off. You need to understand that God has a plan for bringing you back. Stop to smell the burning bushes. Stop to smell, to, to smell them. Here, here's what I want to leave you with today on this point. One of the things that I do to kind of test where I'm at in every decision I make. Because switching off happens slowly. Say slowly. 
It doesn't happen all at once. It's not an event. It just happens slowly in the decisions that we make on a daily basis, okay, in our routine. It, it just it happens slowly, okay? So here's a little acronym that I use to help me with this point, and I've been using it for years. I call it picking and grinning. you got to learn how to pick. you got to learn how to pick. P, number one, is what I'm doing purposeful. Is what I'm doing, what is the purpose behind what I'm doing? Activity does not necessarily mean accomplishment. I'm doing stuff. What's the purpose? Here's the next one. We're talking about picking and grinning. Intentionality. I'm not waiting for my ship to come in. I'm building my ship. I know what God's called me to do, so I'm intentionally operating in faith right now. I'm not sitting on the shore and waiting for a ship to come by. Are you with me this morning? Intentionality. The next one is calling. Is what I'm about to do lining up with what God has called me to do? Now here's the problem. Some of you have served Christ for longer than I've been alive, but you don't know your calling. If you don't know your calling, you can't be intentional. And you can't be intentional if you don't know your calling and your purpose. All of these things line up into every decision that we make in our life. Every decision. This gives us then the power to say, watch this, a very holy word. Are you ready? Are you ready? No. No is a holy word. No. Moses could have said no to 40 years. Just tending flock. Was this his calling? No, this was not his calling. Are you awake today? Vitamin C on Saturday night. Don't stay up past 11. Pastor loves you. You can say no. You can say no. How do you say no? Your picks, your purpose, your intentionality, your calling. It gives you power. It sets you free to know what God's called you to do. It leaves the light switch on in your life. Proverbs 29.18, it says, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. Are you dying? Are you dying in that big circle and that wandering with your light switch off? Or are you alive this morning? God sent a burning bush. I love this. God doesn't send candy grams. I love it. God, God sets things on fire when He wants to get your attention. I love it. Is something on fire in your life? Is something ablaze in your life right now? Is there a fire in your life? Don't necessarily blame that on the devil and call it an emergency. It may be God. God sets things on fire. Instead of asking God to put out the fire, you might want to begin asking God to set you on fire. Notice that the burning bush was never consumed. It continued to burn, but it wasn't consumed. God's kind of fire will alarm you, but it won't consume you. God may set fire to your career just to get your attention and get you back on track of what He's called you to do. He may set fire in your relationships just to get you back on track. Let Him do it. And don't say, God, put out the fire. God said, say, God, set me ablaze. Set me afire to the purpose and the intentionality and the calling that you placed on my life. If Moses was here today, he might also say this. Don't major in your minors. Been talking a little bit about this on Wednesday night. Don't major in your what? Your minors. You've got to let your light shine in what you're best at. With the exception of Christ, 
Moses was the greatest anointed leader in history. Say leader. He was a leader, not a manager. But what do we find him doing after this regretful, one regretful mistake? What do we find him doing for 40 years? Managing Jethro's flock. He's tending a flock. He's not leading. He's managing. Leadership is charting and communicating, connecting with people for the direction of God. Managing is organizing resources to achieve that direction. Leaders are charismatic. They pull people together towards a direction. Managers are caretakers. Moses is caretaking. He's not leading. He's caretaking. Moses was managing Jethro's flock when his name literally meant, now watch this in Hebrew, Moshe in Hebrew means to be led or drawn through water. Now later he would do that, wouldn't he? We know the story is true because God gets him back on track and that's exactly what he does with four million people. He leads them through water, doesn't he? He starts living up to the prophetic nature of his name and his calling. But up to this point, he's not leading four million. He's leading probably 400 sheep. And he's not going through water. He's in an arid place in the desert. He's out in the wilderness. He's not where he's supposed to be. Many in the church are not where they're supposed to be, and they're still going to heaven. I'm not telling you that it's going to lead you to hell. But you will get to heaven, and you will begin to recognize all of the opportunities that you missed. You will begin to, you'll get a new name in heaven. Did you know that? And what's interesting about that is I believe that new name will line up with your calling here on earth. Wouldn't it be shameful if once you got that name and realized prophetically what it meant, had you not lived up to it, that grace had to give you that name completely? Wouldn't it be great if you lived your life and fulfilled your destiny, and once you hear well done, you know you did exactly what God had called you to do by name. That's what God wants for you, church, by name. Moses had a moment of weakness. He couldn't manage his passion and killed an Egyptian. We know the story. But he stayed in his weakness. He stayed in it. He began managing his father-in-law's flock when he was born to lead four million. But God calls him back to his strengths. And God wants us to come back to our strengths. Now I want to teach you something here. Very, very important. Many of you spend way too much time on perfecting your weaknesses. Your prayer life, your worship life, your prayer life, your worship life is weakness, 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 weakness. You came in this morning, and instead of lifting your hands high to the Lord, you allowed Satan to begin to remind you. It's just like a, a replay of the rest of the week. Oh, you can't raise your, oh, you can't praise God. Now, you know what you did this week. You know what you said this week. You know how you kicked the dog. You know that's not right. You know you can't do that right now. Why are you doing that right now? Weakness, 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 weakness. And God wants you to focus on something other than weakness. He wants you to focus on His strength. He wants you to turn that thing around. Moses, for 40 years, focused on one thing, that one event, that one thing, and it played like a broken record in his mind over and over again. Why does God leave weakness in our life? Let me tell you because it causes us to continually rely upon Him. You, you can't pray that weakness away. Weakness is managed, not cured. You, we, you and I fall humbly to our knees and become reliant upon the strength and the power of God because of our weakness. But we're not to go out and do things in that weakness. We're not to dwell on that weakness. And some of you need to be set free today. This is your Independence Day. This is your 4th of July spiritually today. 
Be set free in the name of Jesus. Don't walk in regret. Don't walk in guilt. Be free in the name of Jesus. There's so much more for you to do. And it's in the strengths that God has placed inside of your life. Many people, the moment they start operating their strengths, don't have time for weakness anymore. I am so busy having so much fun doing the things that God had called me to do, I don't have time to do the things He hasn't called me to do. Four things about that. God doesn't want you to hide from what you're great at. It's not, it's not a pride thing to do the things that He's designed you to do. That's not pride. Next, God isn't calling you to do things that you aren't passionate about or hate. Next, God designed you to be good at some things and not so good on others so that you can rely on the rest of the body of Christ. You're not good at everything, by the way. You're really not. God will never evaluate you by your weakness. He'll never evaluate you by your weakness. Never. You'll never see a moment in the Bible where God is picking on people's weaknesses. God always sees you through the same eyes of faith that He wants you to see Him through. It's a God's eye view of your life. He sees you up high with Him. Can you see yourself there in the Lord? Now, while Moses is switched off in Midian tending sheep, an entire generation, 40 years, say 40, an entire generation has grown up and is now dying. They didn't live to 80 back then. Some of them did. Moses did. But most people didn't. Remember, they're slaves. A whole generation had grown up and died while Moses is boogieing around in Midian. I want you to think about the cost of not answering your calling. I want you to think about the lives that won't be touched. While you're doing circles in Midian, I want you to think about the lives that aren't being affected. Hello, Someone might go to hell. Isn't that what callings are all about? Come on, man. This is an American idol. We don't get wrapped up in this thing to perform. We're into this thing because we want to reach lives. We want to touch lives, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while he's doing that, there's slavery and there's bondage and these people are dying. And many times we get so wrapped up in our weakness, we want to perfect our weakness. We want to be perfect, 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 perfect. I want to be perfect, 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 perfect. I want to be perfect, 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 perfect. I want to set you free this morning. The church doesn't have to be perfect to reach people. There's not a verse for that. You don't have to be perfect to reach people. While we're so busy becoming slick at ministry, there's still people dying. Still people dying. We don't have to be perfect at it. We've just got to rely on His power and do what He's called us to do. Just got to have a love of God and a love for people. I don't want you to waste your energy any longer in weakness. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us and changes us from glory to glory. It's not the power of you. So, stop telling God what you can't do. Would you knock it off, please? Stop telling God what you can't do. And if you want to really, really make God mad, keep on telling Him what you can't do. I love in Exodus chapter 10, or pardon me, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He says he's slow of speech and tongue. 
Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. There's an old saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. I guess if you want to make God mad, tell him what you're not good at. Yeah. But watch this. Is what he's saying true? Because in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 22, it says this to Moses. Many of us have the idea that he stuttered. Well, then the Bible isn't in agreement. Watch this. Acts 7.22, it says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptian Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. He was powerful in what? And? He was powerful in what? And? Oh, Moses stuttered. Moses stuttered. He couldn't speak. He wasn't a leader. He wasn't a communicator. Maybe that idea could be attached to being slow in speech because of this constant thing that happened in the past, this regret, this moment where I blew it with the Egyptian. Oh, Lord, I can't go back and speak. I can't go back there. I blew it there. The Bible says he was powerful in speech and in action. Stop telling God what you can't do. Start confessing what the Word says you can do. Start confessing what the Word says you can do in Christ. Stop telling God what you can't. Let God confirm what you're anointed to do. Here's the next one. Decide to get past your past. We're going to have some fun here. I don't know where you learned to drive. But I am probably one of the world's greatest drivers. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind about that. And you may dispute that, but you haven't ridden with me yet. Someday you might, and you'll find out that, yes, Pastor, you are one of the world's greatest drivers. My wife doesn't share that thought. When we're driving and we're going down the road, what are one of the rules of the road this morning? What's, what, what's one of the rules of the road? Keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on what? Come on, it's Pike County, man. There's deer everywhere. It's like they just wait for you. To put, I've seen them. They're like, here, here they come, here they come. And they jump out. Ta-da! Got another one. It's a conspiracy. It's a total war. Deer versus mankind. Can we wreck all their vehicles? You keep your eyes on the road, is that right? I've got a rear view mirror here. Some of you this morning need to understand, you're living your entire life in the rear view mirror. You can't drive that way. It's okay to glance at the past. It's not okay, listen, it's not okay to take your eyes off of where God has you and where you're going. You say, Pastor, 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 I want to talk about the past. I want to talk about the past. Give it a glance. Celebrate it a little bit. God has done great things in the past. But we don't want to look into the rearview mirror and be consumed with it. We don't want to fill our lives with regret. Here's two ways we do that. One is the things we've done in the past. Here's the second. Are you with me? Not only the things that we've done in the past that we feel guilty of, but it's the great things God has done in the past that He's no longer doing. Take a glance. Keep your eyes on the road. Take a glance. But keep your eyes 
on the road. My Bible says this, that no man having set his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't live your life in the rearview mirror. You can't, listen church, you can't be the church in the rearview mirror. Stop it. Stop it. There's four million people to lead and reach. Stop getting all wrapped up in the one Egyptian you killed and forsaking the four million that God's called you to save. Moses at this point of the burning bush sees that his whole life for 40 years has just been looking in the rearview mirror. By the way, I look pretty good in the mirror this morning. It's not too... Getting a little gray. That's distinguishing though, isn't it? Some of you are looking in the mirror. You're checking your makeup. You're looking at your eyes. You're looking at your hair. And oh my gosh, you're crashing the car. You're still drawing breath because God has something for you to do. Paul said this, leaving the past behind, I press on towards the mark, the high call of God. In other words, I've got to leave that behind me in order for me to go in faith where God wants me to go next. Now, why does Paul say that? Because he killed Christians. He killed Christians. You read your Bible, you'll discover a Paul that was holding jackets while they're stoning Stephen. The same Paul is on the road to Damascus and God calls from heaven and says, why are you going the wrong way? He says, why do you kick against the goads? You're going the wrong way, Paul. Turns him around and he becomes the greatest missionary church planner the church, that church history has ever seen. But what did he have to do? He had to turn around. He had to forget what is behind and set his eyes towards the future. We aren't done. This is a bottle of Pepsi. This bottle of Pepsi is from exactly nine years ago. Nine years ago. Almost two pastors ago. That's how long. In February, I need a witness, actually. It's unopened. I need a witness. Brother, right here, could you read that date right there for me? 2003, February 24th, right here. This was found in this church in a Sunday school room. Uh, was that a good year? Let's find out. You're like, oh no. Don't you dare. Oh, you, this has got to be sinful. Would anybody like a drink from the past this morning? Would anybody? The answer is no. Let me help you with that. Would, would anybody? Oh, but pastor, you've got, you've got to, you've got to celebrate with us. Oh, nine, ten, fifteen years ago, the wonderful things that God has done. Okay, no problem. I'll go there with you right now. Oh, get some holy grapes here. <laughs> Ugh, tastes like moldy tangerines. Ugh. I'm still alive. Still alive. Here's the deal this morning. We can't drink the past any longer. 